I was recently talking to a caregiver in my clinic and she said I had to put my mom with Parkinson's disease and dementia in a nursing home. I'm heartbroken. How do I ever get over this guilt? I hear this question all the time in the clinic from care partners and caregivers who experience the feeling of guilt. I'm Dr. Kevin Kloss. Please join us today on the second part of an interview with Alice, a caregiver for her husband with Parkinson's disease, who shared with us some valuable information and guidance on dealing with guilt, especially as it relates to considering nursing home placement for your loved one. Please join us on today's show. I think you'll learn a lot from this program. Hello, and welcome to the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. This podcast is produced for care partners and caregivers of loved ones with Parkinson's disease. This show is brought to you by Dr. Kloss's new book, You're a Better Parkinson's Disease Caregiver Than You Think. Please visit pdcaring.com for more information. Welcome back to the show today, featuring the second part of an interview with caregiver Alice. Alice has over 34 years of experience caring for her husband with Parkinson's disease. Alice faced a very difficult decision. She had to decide whether to keep caring for her husband at home with minimal help or place him in a nursing home. I know many of you listening are facing this same difficult decision. Some of you have already made this decision and others live with the anxiety of possibly having to make this decision in the future. I appreciate Alice sharing her thoughts on this difficult decision and offering us some advice through her experiences. So I want to turn now to, you know, a difficult uh, decision I think that that many are faced with at some point during the progression of this illness. And that is, do we continue to try to care for our loved one at home? Um, and some people um, might be able to do that independently, or they might be able to do that with the help of various services and other caregivers who can come into the home. But that's not realistic for many and, and maybe not even the best option for many. And so um, a long-term uh, care facility might be the, the best next uh, step in the, in the progression. And, and that's what you, you and Rodney face. So can you tell me how that decision played out in, in your family with the two of you and how you came to that decision? It is not an easy decision. Um, You know, I I was very guilt-ridden for a long time uh, about it. When I was just thinking about it, I would think, you know, am I just being selfish that I need a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of freedom? I hate to say freedom, but freedom. Um, Or... Or is this, is this something that needs to happen? Physically, it was becoming harder and harder because he was requiring more and more um, lifting and, and care and, and 
quite frankly, it was hard on my back. Um, I wasn't getting enough sleep at night. I know I was extremely short with him a lot because I was tired and I was burned out. And um, it was it was just a real hard time knowing if this was the right time. Uh, something that I will uh, would like to say to anybody out there that whose loved one is facing this decision, let me throw this out. We have four very supportive adult children, like I said earlier, and they have been wonderful throughout this process. But when I was first thinking about uh, that it was time to find a place for Rodney um, that had a higher level of care than I could provide, they all said, Mom, you think it's the right time, it's the right time. What I needed them to say was, yes, I agree, it's the right time. I needed somebody to to say, yes, do it. Where I work, I work with a lot of volunteers, and um, there was one gentleman that had been through years of caregiving with his first wife before she um, she passed on, and he would put his his hands on my shoulders and he would say, "Do not feel guilty." you are doing the right thing. And that's exactly what I needed to hear. So it is a very difficult decision. And even after you make the decision that that's what needs to happen, then when you try to convince your loved one, patient, that it's time, that's difficult. And then even after they're placed in the facility, it can go on and on, that guilt feeling. And did you do the right thing? And did you give up too fast? And should you have kept that loved one at home? But I would have to keep reminding myself that I had gotten to the point that I really wasn't giving him very good care. I was tired. I was worn out. I was depressed. I wasn't doing what he needed. And um, we tried two different facilities. The second facility is the one where he is now. The first one was um, less expensive, and it was closer to our home. And it was a fine facility for somebody else, but it was very obvious almost right away that it was not a good fit for Rodney. But I was too stubborn to think that because I didn't know what else to do. I just, I felt like, oh my goodness, we finally took this step and now I'm going to have to bring him home. I mean, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. So we started looking, I started looking around and, um, and finally, the, the place where he was said, you've got to find a higher level of care for him. We can't provide it. And so I was forced to find a different place. The place he is now is um, known for their Parkinson's work. And um, he is he's given excellent care there. They understand they are able to take care of him to a level that I could not anymore do that. Um, does that make him any happier? There are still a lot of times when he tries to put the guilt trip on me. But I also had a, a very wise friend tell me that when she went through this with her husband, when he started pushing those guilt buttons, that she would just get up and kiss him on the forehead and say, okay, I'll see you in two days or whatever the next time that she was planning to be there. 
And I find when I do that with Rodney, he's he's a little calmer and he he doesn't try to accuse me of, of not loving him anymore and, and all that. He realizes I'm not going away. And the time that I can spend with him now is quality time. It's not it's not burned out. Just take care of me. Time. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Wonderful advice. Um, so, what, so what was it like when, when, when the the day came to move, and how did he react? What was his? Uh, was he accepting of it finally after I'm sure much discussion, or was there a lot of pushback? What What was his response to this move initially? Well, it, when we first. Um, talked about it and I had already gone and visited lots of places in town with my children, with my daughters to get their opinion of these places and finally had narrowed it down to one and before I even talked to him about it and then once I talked to him about it I could tell him specifically this is what they can do this is what to expect this you know they can do things that I can't do for you on and on and on. We went, then we went to look at it and let him tour it to get a better feel for what it was going to be. The day we actually moved him, um, it actually went pretty well. The whole, all the kids were there. Everybody helped move him in. Uh, we set up his room. We all had dinner with him that night and then we left. And, um, I, I think he did okay that first night. I'm, you know, he. I'm not really sure, but then and then from then on, he would have good days when he was just fine and happy to see me and you know be okay when I was ready to leave, and then other days when he was you know practically holding on to my shirt tail as I was trying to leave, you know, telling me that how could I be so cruel to do that? So. Um, does it get easier? Sometimes. <laughs> Is it still hard? Yeah, sometimes. I have been told by um, some uh, Parkinson's people in the know that a lot of times, especially with the men, they can be very, very stubborn. And that this is not just a problem with Rodney, that it's with a lot of the, the Parkinson patients, especially the men. And uh, they just have a hard time understanding just how bad they are physically. So how how has life changed for you now that now that he's there and you're you're on your own at home and 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 how you know how are you how are you coping with all the life changes now and, and uh, it's actually been now that now that he's at a really good place uh, it, it's been a lot better I go would go staying out. We're, we're taping this podcast during COVID. So things the last five months have been a lot different than they were up to that point. Prior to COVID, um, I would be there three to four times a week. I would go after work and spend the afternoon with him, try to eat dinner with him. And then I would spend either Saturday or Sunday all day with him. And that seemed to appease things. We we would talk on the phone. You know, every everything went pretty well. Uh, it still gave me, uh, I hate to say it, some freedom, but but it gave me a chance to be able to to breathe and, and sleep all night. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so it's it's has actually been been very good for me. It, it's been very healing for me, and now I can go and enjoy Him um, without just being frustrated and burned out. Now, since COVID, things have been really crazy. He's been on lockdown for the last um, five months, so we we communicate through Zoom calls with uh, the children. And, uh, and with him, of course. And then we have a window visit once a week. And um, so we try to stay connected. And then, of course, we talk on the phone. And that's been a little difficult. But I, I hate to admit it. It's also been very freeing to me because I can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm freer on, on those other days, too. So this makes me sound very cruel. <laughs> No, it's it's uh, very understandable, and I think a lot of families are, are are struggling with this challenge that the pandemic has brought in being able to visit our loved ones and communicate with them as well as we were before, and 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 have that connection. But sounds like you're you're doing really well given the circumstances, making those opportunities. The the good thing about where Rodney is, where, where he, the, the facility he was in the first time when I knew it wasn't a good fit, I would be very worried right now not being able to go in there and see for myself how he's being treated and handled and what his room looks like and is he getting his meds on time and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where he is now, it's such a great place and I know he's being taken care of really well and when I see him through the window or, or on the computer He's clean and his hair is combed and and he um, he looks happy and because he has swallowing issues he gets to go to the dining hall and the the aides tell me all the time how the ladies in the dining hall love to spoil him and bring him an extra dessert and everything else so so I I'm just extremely grateful that we were able to put him in a facility that I don't have to worry about him there. I think it would have been awful if, if it was a different facility and I needed to worry because I wasn't there to see firsthand what was going on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it sounds like your family was very supportive um, of the decision. I, I think some families with adult children may have uh, different opinions um, that exist between their adult children and and some may be saying don't go that direction and some say do and and how do you how would you balance that i think that's very hard i i think uh with my children it helped that they saw their dad being sick all of their life our oldest daughter was 10 when rodney got sick our youngest was a year old and uh the other two were were um almost three and, and four. So the, the kids really don't remember him a lot before he got sick. So they watched this progression throughout the years and what he he was able to do, what he wasn't able to do, how he changed, um, how his personality changed. I mean, just everything. They saw it firsthand. So when it was time to put him in a place, they knew what I had been going through all those years. Um, I think it's it's harder when the adult children have not actually lived in the home with the caregiver and the patient and, and had the opportunity to see firsthand 
what the the caregiver is going through. Maybe if there's a physician like that, the caregiver needs to plan on going on a week's vacation and asking the adult children to take care of the patient for a week and just see if they still have the opposition when that week is over. Great advice. Great advice. What about to the caregiver that's, um, you know, at a stage where they are really giving the care 24 hours a day, the, the time you were experiencing where you were really burnt out and, and very uh, at the end of your rope and um, advice for that individual as well as the one making the decision on placement? Um, number one, again, find a, a group of caregivers that you can talk to and somebody who has been where you are now in making your decisions. Um, you need to have somebody tell you, don't feel guilty. It's, it's, it's a natural progression. You need to do this. You need to do this for you. Um, I'm seven years younger than my husband, so I'm still fairly young. Well, <laughs> maybe not young anymore, but <laughs> compared to him, I'm still young and, and uh, still active. And so you, you need to have somebody tell you it's, it's okay that, that it's time to place them somewhere. You're not going to put them in there and forgive them, forget them and never go see them or never take care of them. You're putting them in a facility to get a better level of care than you can provide, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. And you will be a better caregiver because you're rested. You're not having to do the, the day-to-day 24-7 that you were doing before. And when you go, you can actually have quality time with them. It's not like you're you're spending all your time just cleaning up their their messes or or taking care of them or cleaning them up or whatever you need to do but when you go you can actually have a conversation and and have your memories and talk and go on a walk or whatever whatever it's just more quality time together you're not going to abandon your loved one of course you're not going to abandon your loved one but it makes it a more of a quality time with them well you've you've done a wonderful job in, in a very difficult uh, situation and you continue to do so uh, you know and I, I hope that you can see Rodney more soon hopefully this yes. <laughs> pandemic will will change in a, in a good way for you but I just so appreciate you being you know here today and sharing your experiences and your wonderful insight into caring for a loved one with Parkinson's uh, thank you so much for Thank you for the opportunity. And for any of you out there, just hang in there. Guilt is such a common feeling that we experience as care partners and caregivers along the journey with our loved one dealing with the progression of Parkinson's disease. Guilt is actually a normal feeling that we should expect. In fact, I'd be concerned if you never experienced guilt as a caregiver. Guilt results when we feel that we have betrayed our own values or moral beliefs in the actions that we take or from the neglect of certain actions or behaviors. When we fail to live up to our own expectations of how we should behave, we experience guilt. Guilt in caregiving for a loved one with Parkinson's disease may result from our own internal self-inflicted guilt 
or it can result from the external cause of guilt, such as from our loved one or from other individuals in our life. So guilt is normal, but if we're not able to move past it, then we become stuck in the past, suffering alone, and we lose the ability to live in the moment and experience the joy of the present moment with our loved one. Recently, a caregiver was sharing with me that she and her husband really enjoyed cooking together. Her husband with Parkinson's disease would offer to chop up the vegetables for the recipe. She would watch him slowly cutting, and often he would have great difficulty with the fine motor control needed to make good cuts of the vegetables. The long wait time and imprecision of his work would create a lot of anxiety for her, and eventually she would become very annoyed. She would lose her patience and then eventually just grab the knife from him and finish the job herself. Her husband was very laid back, so he would kind of sit back and not argue with her, and he would easily surrender to her takeover. After dinner, she would realize what she had done, and she would feel guilty for getting upset with him and for taking away the job that he was trying so hard to accomplish. Caregivers can feel guilty when they take time away from themselves as well. We feel selfish when we are doing something for ourselves and it takes us away from the caregiving duties. For example, many caregivers share with me that when they have someone come into the home to give them respite time, they leave the house to pursue the activities that they need to perform or perhaps just run some errands. Then they feel guilty for leaving their loved one with someone else. They feel guilty and selfish for doing something they enjoy that their loved one cannot participate in. Caregivers often find that it's difficult to enjoy that time away due to these guilty feelings. I think we have to remember that we are in control of how we feel. We have to find a way to move past these guilty feelings and live in the moment. This is, of course, easy to say, but hard to accomplish. So I'd like to leave you with some helpful tips that you might consider to help you minimize these feelings of guilt. I would recommend that you try not suppressing the feelings of guilt and avoiding the thought of it, but instead to own the situation and really think through what happened in that particular situation that led you to feel the guilt. It's often very helpful if you said something or did something that you think may have offended or hurt your loved one to go to them and apologize for the actions or words that you used And hearing the words, I forgive you, can be very therapeutic. It's then often helpful to think back through that scenario and in your mind create a plan for the future, a way to try to avoid this happening over and over again, and think through if that same scenario presented itself, how would I handle it better the next time? What would I do differently 
to avoid developing such an intense feeling of guilt. And then commit to making this change in behavior or change in actions in the future to help you resolve this internal conflict. I would like to leave you with three take-home points to consider from today's show. As Alice mentioned to us, it's very helpful to create a network of support. Find people in your life, loved ones, friends, or people that you might be able to get in touch with through a support group that you can turn to for support through difficult times. Number two, remember that guilt is normal for caregivers of a loved one with Parkinson's disease. Remember that you are not alone. Communication is really the key in understanding how you and your loved one are feeling throughout the journey together and finding ways to minimize guilty feelings in situations where you feel like you may have acted inappropriately or said words that you regret. And number three, if you decide to move in the direction of nursing home placement for your loved one, make sure you find a center that you trust and feel comfortable with the care that your loved one will receive so that your guilt will lessen and you'll find more comfort in the decision that you have made. In an upcoming show, we will be answering your questions. And so I'd like to invite you to please send any caregiving related questions to support at pdcaring.com. In an upcoming show, we will read your questions and answer them on the show. Thank you again for your support. And remember that you are a better Parkinson's disease caregiver than you think. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Head over to pdcaring.com for more resources. Please share this podcast with other fellow care partners and caregivers. Subscribe so you won't miss any shows.